Welcome to the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I'm Christina Simmons, your host, and thanks for joining me today as I seek to inspire, encourage, and accompany you on the journey towards holiness by sharing food for the head, heart, hands, and feet, so we may grow closer to God, become more like Jesus, and through friendship, discover the life God created us for, lives of purpose, peace, and abundance, rooted in the hope that with God's grace and mercy, we can become the living, breathing, wonder-working saints that the world so desperately needs. Hello, and welcome to episode 201 of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I'm Christina Simmons, your host, and this week I have a special gift. How appropriate, since we are coming up on Christmas, but a special gift for you of this interview, this conversation that I was able to have with Elizabeth Kelly, who goes by Liz, um, and how appropriate. She's the author of so many books, Love Like a Saint, Jesus Approaches, Your Heart, His Home. She's a speaker. She's designed uh, all sorts of Bible studies, particularly about her latest book, Love Like a Saint, Cultivating Virtue with Holy Women. Um, And it was so wonderful to have this conversation with her. She really loves to be able to help women in a special way, flourish in their faith and know that they matter. She actually has a monthly column uh, that appears in some of the best Catholic newspapers and periodicals throughout the country. And it's one of those things of where our conversation talked about all sorts of things, but particularly about how you can strengthen your interior life through prayer and also through surrounding yourself with a culture that will help you become exactly who God desires you to be because God needs you. So it was the primary message and it's a good one for you to hear, especially as we approach Christmas. The Lord needs you. He needs each and every one of us to be able to become fully who we are created to be. And we don't need validation from others around us. Of course, it's nice to have praise, but the validation comes from our Lord. He loves you. He loves me. He loves each and every one of us with an uncomparable love. So buckle up and enjoy this conversation that I had with Liz that is going to help you be able to step into ever more deeply that soaking in the presence of God and being able to step into your gifts and become exactly who he created you to be. See you on the flip side. Hello, and welcome to the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I'm Christina Simmons, your host, and today I have a most wonderful treat for you. I have Liz Kelly, who is actually one of my favorite authors, so I'm going to geek out a little bit, Um, but she (laughs) has done beautiful work, um, and I'm so glad that I have the opportunity to allow her to be able to share what it is that she does with all of you. So Liz, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, awesome. Well, before we kind of jump into especially your writing and the work that you do as a retreat leader and, you know, all the different things that that you're involved with, 
could you share with our audience just a little bit about your own journey and kind of how God got you to be doing what you are doing today? You know, I was raised in a really beautiful Catholic family. I have six siblings. And my mom was, uh, my father was too, but my mom was especially prayerful. And um, I remember adoration becoming a really important part of her daily life. And um, uh, and that really had a strong, that took a strong root in me. And I went to Catholic schools. And even as a kid uh, at sixth grade, they started sending us on retreat. And I can remember the first retreat I ever went on. We went to the, the Schoenstatt Sisters of Sleepy Eye, Minnesota, and they had their convent right on a little lake. And I remember even then as a kid, just thinking there was something really powerful and really special about coming away to seek the face of the Lord. Mm-hmm. There was something in that that just oh, like captured me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've been doing that ever since. You know, I was on retreat team in high school and, you know, I started going on retreats and all of that sort of thing. So it was a very natural fit for me then to eventually become a, a, a retreat leader and and to speak. And it took many, many years. You know, Christ had his 30 years of preparation. I had 30 years of preparation before I was unleashed into this ministry. You know, mm-hmm. um, I had to live some things and gain some wisdom and 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 knowledge first. Uh, but it was a very natural thing to me. I love being on retreat. I love prayer. Uh, even when it's dry and terrible, I just, <laughs> I, I have to have it. Um, and um, so that's kind of how I got on that path. And in writing, um, I went to uh, the University of Alaska for a master's of fine arts in creative writing. And my thesis was all fiction. And I first published fiction. And I always thought I was going to be a novelist. And uh, somebody asked me to do a little writing for, I think it was Our Sunday Visitor. And through that connection, I found that I really had a facility to write about the life of the spirit in a way that was very helpful to people. Mm-hmm. And that's how we find our charisms. You know, we usually kind of stumble into them. And and um, and it was kind of a surprise to me to learn that I had that facility and I just kept at it and kept at it. and you know, eventually uh, an editor who had been sort of following my writing called me up one day and said, hey, have you ever thought about writing a book? And so that's kind of how that unfolded. It was all step-by-step, very natural. Mm. Uh, It it is beautiful how our Lord uh, forms us and Mm -hmm. then he guides us if we're willing to say yes to him and, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's probably one of the biggest things that so often we'll hesitate because we haven't done something before, you know? So Mm -hmm. like when that editor called you and said, so have you thought about a book and you'd be like, "Mm, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In my case, it was like, absolutely. I've thought about writing a book, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And, um, and even in that, you know, when people are looking for their charisms, when they're looking for how is it that I draw closer to Christ and at the same time, others are drawn closer to Christ because I am doing what I'm supposed to do because I'm being who I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
like one of the big telltale signs I have, I'm always going to be grateful to this editor for it, is after my first book, I turned it in. And there was one chapter he wanted me to revise. And um, and it was really, he was just so helpful to me. And he said, you know, normally I would turn a book like this over to a junior editor. He said, but I think I really want to keep you for myself. Mm. And there was something about that that was so validating. Mm -hmm. I really paid attention and I learned so much. So when people are looking for how do I... How do I find my charisms? How do I bring holiness into the world? Is that something even I can do? You know, those are some of the things that we look for mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, where is God clearly speaking and saying, go this direction? You know, not only do you get closer to Christ, but you draw others closer to Christ. There's always going to be that communal peace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, even in my private prayer, my private prayer even though it's just between me and the Lord, that is what prepares me to go out and speak and lead retreats and do other things. So there is a communal aspect, even in my private prayer time. It's to prepare me for the work that I do for the community of the mm. church. That's, that's so beautifully said. And so often I think people think that it's like, what's my purpose? And then it's just like, they only focus on the, you know, the personal aspect. Mm -hmm. uh, Jim Jansen, who uh, just came out with a book, I don't know if you know him, Clear Path of Discipleship, but he mm -hmm. talked about, and, you know, he's probably been said elsewhere as well, but I loved how he talks about the way of holiness and the way of mission is mm -hmm. where our, you know, our true charism, our, our true vocation is, is because, mm -hmm. It's to sanctify us. And then also it's to help others come to be sanctified too, to be that mm -hmm. instrument. And, um, but yeah, absolutely beautiful. Um, and the, cur the curious thing about that is, you know, I think we tend to think of holiness as something kind of out there, you know, for mm -hmm. the saints. But really when we're striving to be active in our charisms, we're never more ourselves. We're never more comfortable in our own skin than when we are actively pursuing the gifts that God has given us to give back to him. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll never be happier. You'll never be more fearless. You'll never feel more like yourself. Um, uh, you know, I tell directees that all the time. It's like, if you don't know what your charisms are, let's find out mm -hmm. because that is your path to holiness. But it's not just that that's also going to be the path to holiness for other people. What you do in your charisms yeah. is, has that magnifying effect because that's how God works. You mm -hmm. know, he takes what we give him and he magnifies it. You know, this is why we have the Magnificat. This is Mary's response. Mm -hmm. You gave me this little thing and you have made it so much greater than I could have on my own. So yeah. he does that for all of us. You know, yeah. he does that for all of us. Yeah. Um, it, my, my husband and I, we work with uh, young people, particularly who are preparing for confirmation. And that's mm. probably one of the things is they really struggle with mm. that idea that I am a gift that, you know, God has created and I am to be gift, you know, for others. And, you know, if I don't live out my charisms, then others are going to be deprived, really. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, sure. And, you know, and sure. therein I have great value. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. But um, why do you think it is, particularly, I, I've noticed it, especially in our younger generation, um, mm -hmm. it, it, is it something that you've come across of where it is you can kind of point to why there's this real struggle now with being able to say, you know, especially in our affirmation society, um, yeah. you know, you know, be, be, you know, uh, be who you are, et cetera. But why is there this uh, struggle to really claim our identity with, with, with God and who we are? Well, that's the one thing the devil doesn't want us to know. Mm. Of course, he's going to attack us in our identity. Mm -hmm. If I understand I'm a daughter of God and that he has a claim on my heart, I belong to him. Um, and come what may, he is going to uh, be part of my life. I mean, it's, you know, my hair has taken a vacation. <laughs> I had a little chemo this summer and fall and it was preventative and I was stage one and there's a lot of things to be grateful for. But, you know, even with cancer, even with, you know, whatever it is that's going on, Jesus is still going to use this. And mm -hmm. uh, he's taught me just just a ton, a ton about how to pray when you're in pain. Mm. It's like when I had chemo, I, I was so prepared for the nausea. You know, I was so prepared for that. And I had very little nausea, but I had a tremendous amount of bone pain. And I'm mm. not very good with pain. Mm. So, you know, there were days I was like, Lord, how do I pray in pain? Well, he was teaching me, you know, and I'm, I'm doing a whole series of writing about all of that. But um, I think that if the devil can convince us that we're not who we are, then he can get a, a stronghold. Um, whereas if I know who I am, no matter what's going on around me, cancer or no cancer economic collapse or no economic collapse you know i i had major surgery my husband got laid off like the next day so i'm having chemo and all this sort of stuff we have no income you know it's like because i can't travel you know i mean just like all this stuff but god worked it all out and he's brought us so many graces and so many gifts through this trial um and so uh, you know of course the devil is going to attack us in our identity was the what he did that's really what he did with even adam you know you're not who he says you are right. you're this over here mm -hmm. or you can decide who you are you know i mean this is just terrible terrible abuse to place on a young person to tell them that they have to decide you know what sex they are or whatever you know um uh, but in any case i'm sort of digressing but I think it makes total sense. Mm -hmm. And because I can't remember, there was a saint, I think it was in the 18th century. And I think it was a woman. And she said something about, you know, there was going to be this black box that was going to infiltrate society perfectly. Mm -hmm. You know, of course I'm thinking about TV and internet, right. and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and she called it uh, the devil's monstrance. Mm. And, um, and there was another contemporary saint who uh, called it the devil's monstrance as well. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think we need to pay attention to, to where is our identity coming from? Mm -hmm. if, if you can help a child to know 
who they are, that they have eternal value, that they matter. They matter. Who they become matters. Matters. Yeah. Um, um, I, I, absolutely. And for all the parents who are listening you know, to this podcast, I think that was probably be one of the greatest gifts that we can give our children um, is the reality that they are loved beyond measure, even beyond what we can love them. Yes. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, because <clears throat> in our own brokenness, you know, sometimes sure. our, our, you know, we, we don't love well, um, sure. but, uh, but God always does. And, um, and, and that's one of the, the beautiful things of, you know, you've spoken about your monthly column and your writing. Um, and, and I think that's probably been one of the things, the consistent messages that I've seen, you know, throughout and it's beautiful. Um, but, you know, what, what, what are some fruits that you have kind of seen from, that's come from your writing? You know, um, I, I'm sure you probably have a, a couple of people that have written and said, thank you. Uh, you know, this touched me or, um, yeah. but it, could you share one, one or two of those? Yeah. Um, not too long ago, a woman wrote to me saying that she had suffered a really severe betrayal very very gross betrayal and it became public and you know it was something that you know the church was getting involved in and this sort of thing too so it was very hard and she said but thanks to what you have written about some of the you know public things that you have suffered she said I feel like I was able to handle it with a lot more grace and dignity. And I never badmouthed the person. I never said an unkind word toward him. I never, you know, she kind of took the high road and she said, but I knew to do that because of things that you had written in the way that you had handled certain problems that you had. Mm -hmm. Well, in a million years, I never thought, you know, writing about that, that that would be one of the fruits that came from it, that it would be an example to someone else who was suffering in a similar kind of way. So um, I think that's one of the most precious things that comes back to me now and then is that something that I've shared has helped somebody to walk through their own thing that was difficult or um, to live with more gratitude through something difficult. Or I have, um, you know, when I knew I was gonna have chemo, and I was terrified of it. I'll be completely honest. I'm such a baby when it comes to physical suffering. But I sent, I knew I, I needed to make this about other people. And so I sent out an email on social media or whatever and just said, send me your petitions. I'm going to put them all in my chemo notebook and I'm just going to be praying for you while I'm in the chair and while I'm, you know, suffering the consequences of that. And the petitions just poured in just poured in poured in poured in really worthy and i said send me your top shelf you know i don't want a hundred mm -hmm. you know little right. like, you know, send me the big dogs you know i want to go for the jugular here <laughs> i'm going to be suffering in pain and i'm not very good at that so send me your biggest petitions and um and it was just extraordinary that how open people were in sharing some of those personal details about what was going on and what need they had. Mm -hmm. 
And it was so helpful to me because if I ever got tempted to be self-pitying or anything, I just open up my chemo notebook and it's like, all right, we're in this together. We're shoulder to shoulder. And um, yes, I think my writing, though I do it in isolation, has taught me a lot about the community of believers mm -hmm. and yeah. how what we do matters. You know, what we do matters. Oh, gosh, how how true what we do matters. Um, <clears throat> and it, it, so my husband and I, uh, we had talked before. And uh, so uh, he had spent time in the military, as I, did I. You know, he retired. We had a, you know, a defense contracting business for over 20 years. And he finally retired again. And uh, so we had been in Huntsville off and on, um, you know, and, uh you know, we decided when he retired the second time, it's just like Huntsville was just growing, you know, leaps and bounds. And we wanted a little less, you know, you know chaos around. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we we moved to where we are now, a uh, tiny little town in Fort Payne. And it was absolutely, and we discerned it, you know, and, but it was a need. And this is where it was evident. This is where our Lord was calling us. And I'll never forget when someone said, wow you guys are such an inspiration, you know, mm. going on mission, you know, kind of thing. And both of us kind of like, uh, we don't think of it that way. It's sure. just, this is where our Lord, you know, had placed us, but it gave them, they later share They're like, you going and doing that gave me the courage to do It's You know, she's like small, but to give her the courage to do what she had been holding off on doing. Sure. Sure. And, and again, you're absolutely right. I mean, so, but when we do what we're supposed to do in union with God's will, it, mm -hmm. it's absolutely amazing. The impact, the ripples that that has uh, throughout the, the community, uh, you know, of God. Um, well, and even when we do, we try to do what we think we're supposed to do, even if we're wrong, right. <laughs> you know, because you're not always going to get it right all the time. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like, even if, if we're just trying to seek the face of God, I think um, the people see that mm -hmm. and, and they see the effect of that on your life, you know, because certainly there are things I've discerned that I, I've been wrong about, or I didn't do well, or, you know, yeah. Um, a muscle you have to work out you know and um and sometimes you 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 don't always do it perfectly but but that's not nearly as important as seeking the face of god you know to guide your life seeking the will of the father um mm. and that's really attractive you know i think it's really attractive when people are doing that that that's very attractive yeah because um, truth you know more attractive exactly exactly so um you, you've written numerous books um mm -hmm. and uh you know so i had uh, made mentions you know before we got on about uh you, your two you know kind of most popular love love like a saint mm -hmm. and uh, jesus approaches mm -hmm. um what was kind of the motivation and genesis behind those especially jesus approaches yeah, I uh, had begun uh, my certification process for spiritual direction mm. 
And my, the group uh, that I went with was Ignatian. Uh, so in between the first and the second year, you had to do the Ignatian exercises with a director. And, and I did the nine month version where you're praying every day versus going mm -hmm. off and doing a 30 day silent retreat. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't able to do that. So, and it ended up being just the best possible way for me to do it. Mm -hmm. And not long after I completed that, I had the opportunity to go to the Holy Land. Mm. And I was, there were two things I was really struck by and surprised by when doing the Ignatian exercises. One is that how present the women of the New Testament were to me. Mm. And it was like they wanted to be better known, not for themselves, but for what their experience with Christ would teach me, how it would help to form me. And so then after I'm finishing up the exercises, I go to the Holy Land and I'm walking around and I'm like, I feel like I've been here before. I feel like I've been here before. And of course, we are there. <laughs> we do go there when we pray in a, in a, with the scripture because it's active. It's alive. You know, I once heard a priest on retreat say, you know, the Bible's the only book you're ever going to read where every time you open it up, the author is in the room. You know, the author is sitting there with you. And so it was a combination of these two things. I really felt uh, a deep desire to write about those women to write about their experience with Christ and uh, appropriate that for a more modern audience. Um, that was one of the gifts that really came out of that period of prayer. So, and, you know, I would say most of my books really start in prayer and, and um, so that was a natural thing. And then one of the, for love, like a saint, it's based on praying with the virtues Mm -hmm. and um i based that on one of the books that we used in spiritual direction school which was a just short little intro on a virtue and then pray uh scripture for it praying with it <clears throat> and i remember picking up that book and saying boy i'd really like to write this but i'd like to write it for women and i'd like to write it for or to include stories of holy women to help us understand how to appropriate this or that virtue oh sorry um, so that's kind of where those two books came from. And in each case, there was a woman who kind of became the anchoress, like M Mary Magdalene was sort of the anchoress of the first book. She was the first chapter I finished and I was like, all right, who else do I put in here? And I was really praying and asking her to just populate my imagination and the same thing with Love Like a Saint. It was Blessed Benedetta was the first chapter that I started. And, um, and she was really kind of the anchoress for that book, too, I would say. Um, well, for, for many people who don't know Blessed Benedetta, could you share a little bit about how it was that she attracted you? And what oh, was sure. Yeah. I was on retreat. Um with my assistant years ago and I had vertigo that weekend mm -hmm. and so the mornings were really tough because I was just ooh, ooh, spinning around so at the lunch break or something I you know it was a silent retreat and I just whispered I said what did I miss you know in the first conference because I was in bed and she just said one or two lines about the retreat 
leader was speaking about new venerables. And mm. at that point, Benedetta was just a venerable. Mm -hmm. And there was just one line she talked about um, Benedetta, and that was kind of like being struck by holy lightning. You mm. know how the saints choose us? Yeah. <laughs> so I went home, I started to research her, and it was just like I started to learn her story, and I thought, oh, man. The world needs her. People working in medicine need her. People suffering progressive illness need her. Young women who are professionals need her. You know, I just was like really on fire. And um, and I was lying in bed one night praying and saying, Benedetta, I would like to hear from you if I have your permission to write about you. I will give you the best that I've got but I want to know it's okay with you because to write a hagiography of any kind, I mean, that's really sacred territory and it was not something I had done before. Right. And the very next day I was sitting at my office and a girlfriend texted me and she said, can you run downstairs? Cause I've got something for you and I've got all the kids in the car and I don't want to park. So I run outside and she hands me this watercolor that a local artist had done of Benedetta. Wow. And I just started crying in the parking lot. And she's like, oh, I thought you would like it. I thought you were, you know, really interested in her. I was like, oh, I love it. Oh, you know, so I wrote an article about Benedetta as part of my column. And a few months later, I get a phone call from someone in Omaha. And she says, can you come and lead your women's retreat, our women's retreat? And I said, sure. How did you find out about me? And she said, well, I read that article you wrote about Benedetta. And I said, mm -hmm. well, how did you? know to look up Benedetta and she said well I had lunch with her niece the other day and she said that I should pray to Benedetta because my son is suffering a similar illness so long story short Benedetta's niece lives here in the U.S. I got to meet her she gave me an abundance of materials on Benedetta in English that I would not have otherwise had mm -hmm. um you know, she she suffered from a very progressive degenerative illness. You know, I have MS. And so um, and and it's not progressive. You know, it's not an aggressive version. I, I'm I'm very fortunate in that. But I do understand what it's like to kind of be tired all the time. And, you know, mm -hmm. So she chose me, you know, she mm -hmm. just zapped my heart and the rest just fell out like that mm -hmm. and I was asking her you know who else should be in these pages you know I really wanted to include women that were lesser known mm -hmm. wanted to include everything from a young child to an older saint and everything from a venerable to mm -hmm. servant of God to a saint to a blessed I just wanted to include the whole menagerie mm -hmm. of sainthood and um, so she really helped me with that. I've mm. no doubt. <laughs> and and most people, you know, might be going, ah, oh, no, just a whole bunch of coincidence. Right. But, sure. But, you know, but, okay. but <laughs> I, 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 I always love this quote, though, of where it's coincidence is when God works a miracle and decides to remain anonymous. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And and that's the great. saints do that all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so they, they're in our lives, they're interceding for us. And you're so right, they pick us. Um, and 
you know, and, and that's probably one of the, the things is, but we have to Oops. Well. Resume. Here we go. So, um, but yeah, what what I was saying was is that so often we're moving so fast that we're not able to really recognize when the saints are working in our lives and to go on retreat. Uh, to be able to spend that time in quiet and be able to really identify. And you, know, you had shared earlier that that was huge for you in your own formation and coming to do the work you're doing. What is it that you have most enjoyed uh, about leading retreats? Oh, um, I love to present the invitation for people to settle mm. <laughs> to just stop and soak in the presence of god um you know i find so many women who come in for spiritual direction they they don't really need spiritual direction what they need is a prayer life and mm. they don't know that they don't have one um, you know, they don't know what a really disciplined, regular prayer life would be, no matter what discipline you take, Carmelite or Ignatian or, you know, whatever you're doing, it doesn't matter. But, um, and so often retreat becomes an invitation to experience that, to taste that a little bit, mm -hmm. and then to say, oh, I can have this every day. And in fact, I need this every day, you know, um, and I need to learn the voice of God active in my life. I need to know, I need to work on dis that discernment muscle, which says, this is the world, this is my own impulse, and this is the devil, and this is God. You know, we need to be able to sort of sort through some of those things. And, and daily prayer is one of the ways that we discipline that muscle, the way that we work that muscle out. And I think retreat can often be a sort of a launching pad for people to experience that in the microcosm and then try to draw that into their daily lives. Mm. So yeah. I, I, I talk to people about that whole idea of um, the whole person, you know, so food, for the head, heart, hands and feet and that feet is to go out and to go and spend time and quiet on retreat and, and needing to do that. And um, so I'm glad there are, uh, there are people like yourself who are there 
to give that invitation and to accompany people. Um, probably uh, one, one of the things, of course, you know, your, your work uh, is upon uh, primarily, it seems, uh, be accompanying women. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll ask this question. In this time and place that we are right now, uh, mm-hmm. lots of turmoil and chaos in the world, but what is your greatest hope for women right now? What is your greatest hope for them uh, to be able to to respond or to do? Yeah, I think that they would understand how important they are in Mm -hmm. the story of salvation history, that they are a part of it, that they have a role to play, uh, that even though much of their contribution may be hidden or may seem anonymous. Um, you know, God loves to work through anonymity and hiddenness. You know, the greatest moment in all of human history, you know, the Annunciation, the Incarnation took place in, you know, complete anonymity. So we don't need to be afraid of that, despite what our culture talks us, tells us about, you know, wanting to be seen and Mm-hmm. You know, this weird thing of Facebook, here's a picture of me having lunch, and here's a picture of me having dinner, and here's a picture of me at the beach, and, you know, all these weird sort of pictures of me, 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 um, that they would push back against that and really um, see the value that being a woman of God is in our culture and in our time. Mm. Uh, the Lord needs you needs you to be who he created you to be he needs your gifts you are not inconsequential what you do matters uh it it matters more than anything Uh, so i would want women to want to give them permission to discover what their charisms are and develop them with their whole heart Mm. the church needs them needs them what what a what a beautiful vision uh, that is, um, and uh, I, I definitely hope that those who are listening will embrace that, mm-hmm. and 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 will pursue that with with all of you know God gives us all of what we need in order to do that. Um, mm-hmm. if we but trust. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how do how do you think your own journey, especially your work uh, as a as an author, as retreat leader, you know, and as spiritual director, you know, how has that been helping you on your own journey uh, towards mm-hmm. sanctity? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, I don't think in every charism, when we are operating in our charism, whatever it is, the first person it's sanctifying is ourselves. Mm. So if I'm active in my charism, I know grace is being unleashed and, and grace elevates, grace purifies, grace sanctifies. Um, so I, I'm very aware of that. And even like when I had to put some things down, like because of illness or, or, or whatever, uh, you know, the Lord still provides a way for that grace to be unleashed and uh and 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 for sanctification to continue Mm. yeah um and you know so i'll ask the question do you think uh kind of oh shoot even 10 years ago 
that you would have responded to um, the, you know, the chemotherapy, the need for the treatments? Would you have responded as you did? Inviting people, send me your prayers. Yeah. And, and, you know. No, probably not. 10 years ago, I probably would have been more scared <laughs> than I am now. Right. You know, part of it is I've been, you know, this is the second time I've had cancer and, and, um, and, uh, you know, I've had it for a long time. And so living with that is, has been a real, uh, it's like working out at the spiritual gym every day because you're completely dependent for energy on God. You know, it's like, my body may or may not be available for the work at hand. And so if I'm being called to do some work, I'm completely dependent on God to give me the energy to do that. So I'd had a lot of years of practice mm -hmm. in that. Um, and, and yeah, I do think that the, you know, that was a, that was a pretty tough test and it's, you know, it's still going on. I'm still learning, learning from it. And I'm very grateful that I didn't have that at 30 mm -hmm. and instead had it at 57 because I think I got a lot more out of it. I, you know, I'm always praying that the greatest possible good will be achieved through whatever I'm doing that day. You know, just the greatest possible good through this interview or for this conversation or, you know, in chemo, it's like just you can achieve great good even in this and just allow me to be docile that the greatest possible good for the kingdom will be achieved. Hmm. And, um, and he does, you know, he takes these really difficult things and he just sprinkles grace in there. And then all of a sudden you're like in a grace field, you know, you're in a, in a field where grace is just blooming all around you. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I probably would have handled it as, as well if I hadn't had some of this other training. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I think that's the, that's the beautiful encouragement is mm -hmm. that uh, mm -hmm. God never gives us anything that we're not able to handle if we allow him to handle it for us with us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so if in and with and through him, uh, then it, then it comes about. Uh, so I am going to presume here uh, that you might have a few favorite books. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> um, if you know, could, could you share two? One, one of your favorites in the sense of for the spiritual uh, journey that was mm -hmm. you know really impactful for you, but then also a fiction book that that mm -hmm. has really been uh, transformative for you. Mm -hmm. Um. I, I can't share just one book, but I will share one <laughs> author about that. Wilfred okay. Stinson. Uh, he's uh, Father Wilfred Stinson. Many of his works are now being translated into English, and I've read them all. Mm. And I keep stacks of some of them in my office. I give them out so often for to directees and that sort of thing. But he wrote a beautiful little book on the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And as much as you think you've studied the Eucharist, you know what it is. We're in this Eucharistic revival and all that sort of stuff. I could just read that book over and over and over. And I still feel like I just am learning so much. It's, it's mm -hmm. so orienting. Um, he's just a spectacular. I feel like he's sort of my spiritual father, even though he doesn't know me and <laughs> 
will probably never meet. <laughs> He's kind of my spiritual daddy. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything by Wilfred Stinnison. Um, and then for fiction, oh, it's a book I've both read and taught, maybe Kristen Lovren's Daughter, mm. uh, written by Sigrid Unset, was a great convert. Mm-hmm. Um, she also wrote just some magnificent, magnificent spiritual pieces, but the depth of spiritual transformation that takes place through that Nobel Prize winning work, mm-hmm. I think is as good as it gets. It's just magnificent. Well, um, as as we're, you know, getting closer and closer, especially to Advent, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, or even as a, as a resolution for the new either liturgical year or the, the new calendar year, mm-hmm. um, to, to dive into either of those would, would definitely be, be wonderful. You won't um, regret it. You won't regret either of those authors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one final kind of question uh, that, that I love to toss to people, uh, but looking back for yourself, um, you know, if you could go back in time and mm-hmm. share one piece of advice with your 18 year old self. Oh yeah. What, what, what would it be? Do not be afraid. Oh, mm. I've given over way too much of my life to fear way, way, way too much of my life to fear mm-hmm. and, um, and have not appropriated it properly. You know, it's like the Lord had such anxiety and dread in the garden of Eden that he sweat blood. So it's normal. You know, it's not a sign of weakness that we should have fear or dread or anything like that, but the way he then appropriated it, but not my will, but yours be done. And, you know, he leaves the garden, you know, uh, with that courage, but, you know, JP two said it over and over the Bible says it over and over. I mean, do not be afraid. And I would love to shake my 18 year old self by the shoulders and say, don't use your energy for fear. Mm-hmm. Use uh, it for prayer. Use it for joy. Use it for anything else, you know, but not for fear. Mm-hmm. A great well, weapon of the devil. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Uh, but beautiful words of wisdom. Um, and I can't believe that our time together has already come to oh. an end. Oh my goodness. Um, okay. even with the, the couple of technological, you know, challenges that we've had. Um, but it's been I such a joy. I I, I I could sit here and just continue having conversation, you know, forever. Um, and uh, so thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, sharing uh your journey uh with our listeners uh today. A- any final words uh for people? Uh, uh, I know. Yeah keep the faith. Mm. My, my brother is the rector at our junior seminary. And I see the young men showing up at the door mm-hmm. and it's crowded. It's packed. They don't have room for anymore. Mm. So be encouraged. There is a wave of fervor and truth seeking and sanctity that is coming. I've seen it. I've seen it. They've been in my classroom when I was still teaching at the university. So be encouraged. Keep the faith. Mm. Uh, Beautiful to know. And for those of us who might be in a place that doesn't seem to have so many signs of hope. 
um, it, it's good to know that they are there. Um, so I would be remiss if I didn't allow you to let people know where they could find out more about you and the work that you do. Sure. Uh, my website's the shortest in the world. It's lizk.org, L-I-Z-K.org. Mm -hmm. I've got my schedule on there and there are a bunch of free talks. If you just want to pop on and uh, have a listen, mm -hmm. they're available. My books are there. Mm -hmm. That's probably the easiest place to get in touch with me. Mm -hmm. And I definitely would recommend uh, that if you have not definitely pick up uh, one of Liz's books, uh, either Love Like a Saint in order to get to know um, those women in particular that we probably don't know very much about, um, or uh, of course, Jesus Approaches or any of the other uh, work uh, that you have shared with the world. And thank you so much for sharing your gift. It, it definitely you. makes us better. So yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, for everyone else out there, know of my continued prayers for each and every one of you, especially that you may be able to continue to do whatever it takes so that together we can tell the master of death, not today. God bless everybody. So what might be some resolutions that you could take from the conversation that Liz and I had? Well, the first one is, especially as we're concluding the year of 2023 and as you're getting ready and looking ahead to 2024, or even if this is right at the beginning of 2024, when you're listening to this podcast, I invite you to go on retreat. If you are able to get away for an entire week or a weekend or even half a day, but schedule this into your life. Nothing can do you greater good than to go on retreat and to be able to settle in and soak in God's presence and be able to come to a deeper understanding of how he is calling you to become more fully who you are. So schedule and go on a retreat. Another resolution is to go and read one of Liz's books. Uh, there's tons of them. Uh, she's been writing for more than 20 years. She's uh, prolific in, in so many ways. Um, but especially take a look at uh, Jesus Approaches or Love Like a Saint. Again, make this one of your resolutions for this upcoming year that you're going to read one of Liz's books. And then finally, go and check out her work. Go to lizk.org and check out the work that Liz Kelly is doing um, and the different opportunities that are there, particularly her Bible study and different things that she is doing right now. So hopefully all of those things will help you be able to step more fully into your charisms and be able to respond to the reality that the Lord needs you. Thanks again for spending time with me today. If you have any suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please leave me a voicemail using the link in the podcast show notes. Or you can visit my website at sayyestoholiness.com or send me an email at christinasimmons at gmail.com. I look forward to the opportunity to continue the conversation we've begun here today. In the interim, please know my continued prayers for you and your loved ones, especially that each of us may continue to strive to do whatever it takes in order to grow in holiness as we tell the master of death, not today. 
I look forward to having a conversation with you again soon. God bless. Thank you.